This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you're listening to the Maps Step Back Podcast. TK. I like this, TK. I like that. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk get the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move daily, yeah, get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Got Chris Stapps, coach at the Adam. I spaz like Dallas, Seth out on rapping, God. If Lucas shoot the ball, you know that it's cash. But my boy still living the past. Now he got my boy Chris Stapps, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just wanna ring, wanna fill the gap. On your team head, I ain't talking heads. Dang, go relax, still at the champ. Diva still coming with the Calibus flow. The man's the best on the floor. I'm wild, but yeah, I'm the GOAT. This gang get cold. Welcome back to the Step Back, everybody. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Galatson. You can follow me on Twitter at Dalton underscore Trigg. You can follow Matt at Matt Galatson. That's M-A-T-T-G-A-L-A-T-Z-A-N. Uh, you can follow the podcast itself at Step Back Mavs. Uh, we're posting... The links to every episode on there uh, along with other Mavs related content so be sure to check us out there also be sure to uh, rate and subscribe uh, leave us a nice review as well if you can uh, we got a special guest for you guys we got Bobby Corrala from uh, Mavs.com coming on a little bit later uh, but first Matt we're going to talk about Dirk because he's only 56 points away from Passing the great Wilt Chamberlain for sixth on the all-time scoring list. So, uh, what are your initial thoughts on that? I mean, it's pretty crazy, man. Anytime you can pass Wilt Chamberlain in anything, it's uh, it's pretty historical. He's uh, arguably the best big man to ever do it for sure. So, I mean, for Dirk to be in the company of him and you know other names that are on that list, like. <clears throat> You know, all the other ones that he's he's passed. You know, he's 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 right behind LeBron and Michael Jordan, and um, he's right up there with you know Wilt, and it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, when when you think of Wilt Chamberlain, you know, he's almost like a like a myth. You know, you look back at his his stats, and you know, he was the only player in NBA history to score a hundred points in a game. He was. He was putting up 50 points and, you know, 25-plus rebounds on a nightly basis. Uh, you know, just one of the most or the most dominant uh, big man in NBA history. I know people, you know, they might argue uh, Bill Russell or, you know, even more modern when you think about Shaq or, you know, players like that. But, I mean, Wilt, he's he's an absolute legend. It's just, it's crazy to think that a guy like Dirk, and he would probably tell you the same thing, uh, you know, a kid coming over from Germany like he did, uh, wasn't even sure if he was going to make it in the NBA, 
And here he is, you know, 56 points away from passing passing him on the all-time scoring list. And uh, he's going to, uh, unless there's an unforeseen injury or something of that nature, it's definitely going to happen this season. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of when. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's really cool to think about. And, I mean, Dirk's already been at number six. But then we all know LeBron, LeBron James passed him up earlier this season and then eventually passed up Wilt. And as of, you know, a couple nights ago, he passed up Michael Jordan. So, uh, we, me and you were talking about this earlier. We don't think Dirk's going to get uh, – get to pass Michael Jordan even if he comes back next season uh, you have the numbers on that but let's talk about that for a little bit <laughs> I, I was getting my hopes up thinking well if Dirk, if Dirk comes back next year maybe there's a chance he can move up to that fifth spot but uh, you quickly squashed my my hopes and dreams right there <laughs> yeah he's 928 points behind Mike so uh, he'd have obviously have to get 929 uh, to pass him, and that would mean he'd have to average 11.31 uh, points per game, uh, playing in all 82 games next season. Uh, I mean, Yikes. that's where he is right now. So if, if, if you take out the points from this season, um, obviously that number gets to be a little bit less. But still, it's, it's going to be very tough for him to do that. Um, you know, and I was, I was there when he passed – Shaq and uh went into number to number six and it was pretty special and uh I hope he does it at a, at a home game again uh, that would be that would be really cool um and it's it is disappointing that he's probably not going to catch Michael but at the same time it's like you got to be really 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 good to I mean, legendary to get that far, and there's only now four players in the history of the NBA who have scored more points than Michael Jordan. So even if you don't pass, obviously I know Dirk's a legend, but even if you don't pass Mike, it's right. It's okay, <laughs> you know. That's 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 nothing. That's nothing yeah. to sneer at. He'll be fine. I, I don't know. Cool. I mean, I <clears throat> we'll before see. you told before you you know put the numbers there in front of me, like how many exactly how many points he needed to pass MJ. I guess I was just I didn't realize how much that affected uh him missing how much him missing, you know, 26 games earlier this season due to injury uh affected his chances of doing that. But I mean even if he would have played, I mean it still wasn't a guarantee. He's only averaging I think right at 5 points per game now. So I mean I I, I don't know. It, it is a little bit disappointing, yeah. but I mean We'll forget about that. As soon as he passes Wilt, it'll be a big ordeal. And like you said, uh, hopefully it'll be a home game. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm looking at the schedule. I'm seeing that, let's see, he needs 56 points to pass Wilt. Let's say if he averages around his season average right now, and I think there'll be a couple games, there will be a couple games where he, you know, scores more than five points. I think I think ten games is probably a safe bet. So you've got Orlando, Houston, San Antonio. You're looking at a home game on March 26 versus the Sacramento Kings. I think that's a pretty good pretty good target date for for Dirk passing Wilt. No, yeah, and and I, I just did a little more math. Um, so there's there's a hundred games if you count all 82 next season. 
because uh, there's 64 games into this season, which means right. there's 18 left, obviously. So over the next 100 games, you'd have to average you know 9.3 points per game, which would still be a big ask. But you're right. Um, <clears throat> he's got 18 games left to to pass to you know pass Wilt. Um, he's gonna do it. Uh, he'd only have to average you know around three or you know less than less than four points per game for sure to do it. Um, so we'll see. You know, I, I really hope that I get to be in attendance when it happens because that was one of the coolest experiences. I think we talked about that on a previous podcast um, with our, our best Dirk moments. That one where he, you know, got 30K was right up there for me. And um, so it would be really cool to see that again. Um, a similar type environment with all the writers, you know, that are up in the press box kind of right. right there with you cheering them on and the crowd being into it and all that stuff. Yeah, so, and I mean, we'll say there's a couple of games where he just he just can't get one to fall or something like that. I, you know, the games that are surrounding that Sacramento home game, you know, the, the three games before that are all road games. They're at Sacramento, uh, at Golden State, right before that home game. And then there's two road games immediately afterwards <laughs> at Miami and at Oklahoma City. If it doesn't happen at home, it's not going to be like – the biggest thing in the world, even though you'd like it to be. But, I mean, I, I that'd be pretty cool if he did it at, say, Golden State or uh, even at Miami uh, because of the history there. So, Yeah, that would be a really good one if he, if he did it at Miami in front of D-Wade and D-Wade had to go up to him and give him another congratulations <laughs> for doing something that he was never able to do. Right. Yeah, the, the world tour would have to, you know, momentarily pause yet again for Dirk. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great that would be great <clears throat> but anyway to the actual games with the Mavs you know they've now lost uh, eight of their last nine games uh, the most recent one was to the Wizards the other night it was a 132-123 loss in Washington uh, Luca, he didn't shoot the ball well but he still ended up with 31 points 11 rebounds and 7 assists and four steals. Uh, and four steals. That was, and he only had that was, two turnovers, too, which was huge. Yeah, only two turnovers. Uh, he's only had two turnovers each in each of the last two games. So that's that's four total. And I know when he came out from the All-Star break, he had like, I think it was 15 total turnovers in two games, 15 or 16. Yeah, so, he I mean, had a that, lot. <clears throat> so it's nice to see him clean that up a little bit. So he didn't shoot the ball well. He was only 11 of 26 from the field but to still end up with 31 11 is like could you imagine if he would have like if he would have come out and hit like 18 shots last well, night if, i mean if he had just had a few of those floaters fall you know he's a, he's looking at a 40 point game i mean there, there must have yeah. been at least four or five floaters that were just left you know hanging there on the rim that unfortunately bounced out and you know so, that that's one thing I've been I've been impressed with Luca throughout the entire season. You know, I I'm obviously a little bit biased, of course, but he just really hasn't been able to do much wrong other than, you know, the the occasional bad turnover games. And yeah. if he has a bad shooting night, that's understandable. Everybody's going to have a bad shooting night in the NBA. But What are you, what are you talking about? Trey Young doesn't have bad shooting nights. You're right. If you ask Haw- Hawks fans, Trey Young does not have bad shooting nights. I don't know what they call it when he goes, you know, 
two of 14 from the field, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, that's one, I guess if I had to point to one thing that I've been kind of disappointed with when it comes to Luka's progression throughout the season is how the his floater game has kind of left him a little bit. Because I remember earlier in the season, he was killing people with it. And it feels like it's been a really long time since I've seen him get one of those to go in. Um, so, I mean, that, that that's just it's well, just he's a had technical. a couple drop. He, let's, okay, he's had a couple drop. But I think it's yeah. just one of those things where it's just not falling for him right now. And that's going to happen. I mean, he's 20 years old for, you know, for yeah. God's sake. So. He's still, you, he's still having problems with the free throws. He's still having problems with a couple of things here and there. But that's all going to come around. I'm not worried about it. Well, I kind of got spoiled earlier in the season, too. You, you remember it was uh, it was at the end of October. They were playing the Spurs. It was that game that went into overtime. It shouldn't have gone into overtime because Dennis should have hit that, that free throw at the end. But, uh, you know, I think Luca had – over 30 points in that game too and I remember he was just killing the Spurs all night with that that high arcing floater he hit probably you know at least four of them in that game and ever since then I just I don't know that's that's been my uh that's been my bar level for him <laughs> when it comes to the yeah the floaters but that was like the, I said uh, that was the famous give me the effing ball moment from Luca when he hit that big shot towards the end of that game. <laughs> yeah. Well, like and I mean like I said, I, that's just me being picky. I mean, he's he's been incredible. He's doing something that you know, me personally, I've never seen from a rookie uh in in my time being alive because uh, I mean, I I'm I'm going to be honest. He they they're comparing his rookie season to LeBron. I didn't watch a lot of LeBron in his his rookie year. I was watching, you know, Nash and Dirk and Finley, uh, every chance I got. But well, it was uh, a lot harder back then because we didn't have league pass, right? Or Twitter, you yeah, know, or we, <laughs> barely shout, YouTube. Shout out to Mavs highlights on Twitter. I <laughs> he he puts so many game highlights on there. Like if you if you can't watch the game, just go to his feed and there you go. <clears throat> You'll basically see everything, right? But yeah, so uh, so Luca had a good game. Dwight Powell he continues to just be on an absolute tear. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. I don't know if you saw this, but I tweeted this out last night that over his last twenty games he's shooting fifty three percent from three. And there was a point earlier this season, and it was uh, it was sometime after the new year, so it's fairly recent. He was shooting like 16 to 17% on the year from three. And he has been shooting it so well here lately that he is now up to 30% on the season. I mean, that that's pretty crazy. I mean, I don't know what's gotten into him, but he's able to hit those. He's, he's been able to hit those shots here lately. And it just, it, he just looks like a completely different player when he's getting that to go. Well, it's weird, man. This is kind of what he did last year towards the end of the season. You remember he, uh, you know, was hitting shots and putting up huge numbers during the the final stretch, and he's doing it again. He's, you know, trying to cement himself, I guess, as part of a foundational piece for this roster. And it's good to see because we 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 did kill him a lot throughout the season, especially with his three point shooting. Um, 
on Twitter. You know, he. It, I hope he never looks back at those tweets. But uh, yeah, we've said some mean things about Dwight Powell, but I mean, we <laughs> just the heat of the moment, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all in good fun. Um, yeah, but you know, he right now, I mean, against Washington, he was eleven of twelve from the floor, and had that's, that's 10, crazy. Yeah, he had ten boards, twenty six points. Um, he was really there outside of what Luca did. He was their best player. He might be the second best player on the roster right now, which is crazy to think about. People have been – there's been a few people that's been saying that, you know, since last year that – well, actually, last year before we got Luca, there were some people saying he was the best player on the roster. And then even this year, he, they were saying, like, well, Dwight Powell might be the second best player. And, I mean, at first you're like, no, I don't think so. But then, like, you, you start looking at the numbers and, like, some of the advanced stats and everything, and you're just like, they might be right about that. <laughs> yeah, and – if he could be a little bit more consistent of a rebounder, especially on the defensive glass, you know, there's no reason he couldn't be the starting four next year next to KP. I mean, can you imagine right. Luca working off of, you know, KP with the pick and pop? And then, you know, on the other side, you've got Dwight Powell, who really is, I mean, I don't want to sound too much like Harp here, but he is one of the best rim runners in the league. Like right. there's very there's very few guys who can catch a lob like he can and who who come you know hard off the screen and can finish like him. So if he could find a way to make it consistent, like really consistent, like starting level consistent, hey, you know I don't see why he can't be in the starting lineup next year. Yeah, and I mean, if I I talked about this a little bit earlier today, but if he could shoot like he he's raised his. Uh, three-point percentage to 30% on the year this year. If he could just somehow find a way to keep that somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 36%, you know, it doesn't have to be elite. It just has to be enough to where people are like, okay, I might need to step out on him because he does hit these, you know, on the regular. If he could do something like that, I could see where he could be a, a permanent starter for the Mavs. I don't know that he can do that. You know, and if he can't, that's fine. He's still going to be a really efficient role player for them going forward, and he can do a lot in in a small amount of time for them. So that's fine. But I mean, just thinking about what could be if he if he was able to hit the three consistently is just it's really amazing if you think about it. I don't know if you saw uh, I don't know if you saw this earlier, but according to uh, BasketballReference.com, Dwight Powell has a player efficiency rating of 20.6 this season which is the best by a Mavs player since Dirk had a 23.6 player efficiency rating in the 2013-2014 season that is nuts I know it's crazy and I mean there's still there's still Mavs fans and uh, you know there's people out there that that still don't like Dwight Powell and it's really crazy when you think about it because, I mean, I, I, I agree with, with those that say that he's the Mavs' second-best player this season. Yeah, and going back to a bit to what you were saying before about the, the whole him you know being a consistent three-point shooter thing, I don't think that that necessarily needs to happen for him to be an effective starter, especially depending on how they fill out the rest of their roster. So if they go out and they get another wing that can knock down threes and they get – you know, really, because we know we know for sure there's going to be 
that there's two starters on this roster right now, like for sure, for sure, Luca and KP, right? So yes. if they if they with those other two spots find consistent knockdown shooters, say uh, Bohan or Bojan Bogdanovich, and don't kill me, Dragic, Dragic, whatever. I yeah, can't say Dragic. it right now. <laughs> Boyan, I, Boyan Bogdanovich and Goran Dragic. Dragic. There it is. Dragic. There you go. Um, the dragon. We'll call him the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, if like, say those just for whatever reason, say those are the two guys. I'm just, you know, spitballing. I'm not saying that's who they're going to sign. But those, di- those guys can knock down shots with really good efficiency from outside on both catch and shoot and off the dribble, whatever. So, if those are your two other guys, then why can't Dwight Powell just, you know, stick to being a rim runner? It would make sense uh, to me. Well, and I mean, he just – he the type of player that Powell is, he fits really well with Luka. Because, I mean, you want a lot – you want a serious lob threat in there, uh, you know, kind of like what they had with DeAndre Jordan, even though uh, – you know, we saw it a little bit this season. DeAndre had had lost a little bit of that athleticism that that he's he's been known for for so long. But you know, Dwight Powell, he still got it. He's springy. Uh, you know, he can set good good screens. He's a good role man. Uh, he can finish pretty much any lob. I mean, unless you just throw it over the backboard, he's probably going to catch it and finish it. Uh, so, I mean, it's really the, like I said before, it's the three-point shooting that needs to be a little bit more consistent. And then you'd have a, you know, you'd have a fine starting for because he'd be able to step out, hit a three every now and then, keep people honest, and it would open up the floor for the rest of the guys too. But, yeah, I mean, just look. He hit some monster dunks, man. The last yeah. five games for Powell, uh, when they were at the Clippers, he shot 10 of 11. Then Indiana at home, he was five of eight in that game, four and four of seven versus Memphis at home. After that, at Brooklyn, he was six of seven, and then at Washington the other night, eleven of twelve. Like he's just he's playing out of his mind right now. He he really can't miss. <laughs> I know it's 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 really been been crazy. He's his efficiency has been off the charts, and um. It's it's really it's really good to see that, you know this whole this whole organic tanking thing is really tough you know especially for you I imagine. Oh, it's brutal. I mean, but, I've I've come to terms with it. It's not as you know it's not as bad as the initial initial you, few days, but you know right. I'm, but I'm you there. still hate watching them get blown out by a combined sixty nine points in two games, and that's really difficult. But when you do that, you you also have to look for. The little victories, even though in those two, especially, it was really hard to find any. But there, if there's one guy on the roster who has never really wavered as far as his effort is concerned, it's been Dwight Powell, and he's he's really impressed me since the All Star break with his his effort level and his efficiency, and and all of that stuff. I mean. There, there was a point in the season where I was like, I was texting you, and I was like, man, I, I can't wait to get Dwight Powell off the roster so they can have that nine million dollars back. Now I'm not like nine million dollars for the guy we've had since the All Star break, is a steal. Right. See, and that's what I was talking about earlier. Like you've, you've kind of, you've gotten away from that. You're, you're, you're kind of on the Dwight Powell 
bandwagon for now. But I mean, it, that's what I was talking about. Like earlier in the season when he was having those struggles and he he kept shooting threes and it was clank after clank and you know he was he was around sixteen percent overall in that department. You know, just stuff like that. That's when people were just like, oh man, can can they trade this guy and uh you know we we just got to do something different have to get in off the team now it's like i mean he he can be an asset for you next year especially on an expiring deal so i mean you can go into the season with him and if if it just doesn't work out i mean you can always uh you know yeah you you can always try and do something at the trade deadline or something like that but i mean he's been really good and just just to branch off from this Dwight Powell discussion, you mentioned looking for the little victories here. How about Justin Jackson in that Washington game? I mean, he oh, your new stepson. Yes, my my new stepson Justin Jackson. He he had his best game as a Maverick. Uh, played twenty five minutes off the bench. Went six of ten from the field. Hit five of his seven threes. Uh, finished with eighteen points and five rebounds. He was really good, and I mean, he what he provided in that game, and I know there wasn't a lot of defense played in that game, but you know he was the the Mavs' third leading scorer in that game, and what he provided is what we expected him to provide when uh, the Mavs traded Harrison Barnes to the Kings and brought him over. So that was really good to see. Uh, you know, I, I expect to see a lot more of that going forward. Uh, you know, we we should have a a really a really talented young core going into the future. Even though, even though that young core is not like you know superstars. I mean, Luca and KP are, but you know the other two. When you think of Jalen Brunson and uh, Justin Jackson, you you don't think superstar necessarily, but they're really good young pieces that can be a that can be key contributors in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, you said that. This is what kind of we we wanted to see from Justin Jackson. Man, what he did against Washington blew away all my expectations. He, I mean, it wasn't just the the five of seven from three because like we we watched some some highlights and some tape or whatever of like I think you sent me the one from the the the, uh, the Warriors game where he just went off on the Warriors and I was like, wow, man, this this guy's pretty good. Why are they trading him? And we've seen, you know, it's taken him a little while to adjust. He's still really young and really raw. But, I mean, how about that lob to Dwight Powell that he had, too? Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, he that had, was great. Well, and there was another one, too. Uh, the the lob that they connected on was nice, but there was another one right before halftime. He caught the ball in the corner, pump faked, drove past his man, and then did a little no-look, you know, little no-look pass to Dwight in the paint and Dwight got fouled so it didn't count as an assist but you know stuff like that I mean I mean, even that was that was even you know nicer than the the one that he actually connected on with Powell so he's showing you that he can do some stuff like that when he gets extended minutes and you know he's going into his third year next year his, his third NBA season and I mean that's really I don't know. It's going to be a big year for him because young players coming into the league, you like to see a big step forward in production by the third year at the latest, in my opinion. Uh, 
I mean, they, they can always blossom late. That's always a possibility. But for the most part, with your, you know, your, your first round lottery picks, you like to see something by at least that that third season because then you start getting into the territory like, well, if they're entering their fourth season, you know, they're they're going to be doing new contract here pretty soon. Uh, do they? Do they? Do you give them the extension, or do you just wait for restricted free agency? And then, like with the Nerlens Noel situation, where he didn't really produce the way people thought he would, he ended up having to take the qualifying offer and uh, went into uh, unrestricted free agency that next year. So, I mean, there there's a lot of stuff that can happen, but uh, I think his third year is going to be a really big year for him. I, I hope he can, uh, you know, take that next step. Yeah, and he also doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to walk into the media room at halftime and steal a couple of hot dogs like Nerlens. Right. <laughs> uh, so he like he seems like a really really hardworking player, and he's he's really committed. Um, the games he's played in, he's you know the the sparse minutes he's had for the most part. I mean, he played twenty five against Washington, but at first we were getting frustrated because he wasn't playing very many minutes. But in the minutes that we saw, he was playing really hard, and he was especially playing well on the defensive end, which is something they really desperately need going into next year is, you know, a long athlete wing who can, you know, right. bother passing lanes and, and contest shots. And he seems to have those tools. It's just a matter of putting everything together. And I think if he goes the rest of this season and continues to produce the way he's he has been in the last couple of games and then – has an entire summer, and he'll probably play summer league, and you know, having you know just that whole summer in the program, or you know the, with, you know, so, you know all that stuff. He could right. really kind of turn the corner and and go into next year with some legit chance at at getting extended. He'll never get you know to the point where he's getting max money, maybe, but or probably, but. He could be a good role player. Like get get a contract like a lot like what you know Dwight Powell got, which yeah. I mean, I the thing, and you mentioned summer league too. I, I'm hoping because I know Brunson will be there. I'm sure Jackson will be there, even though you know he's already been twice now. Uh, I I think it's safe to say that Luca won't be there. Uh, man, you don't think they want him playing summer league <laughs> basketball? <laughs> no, no I, th- I think it's safe to say that Luca will be on a beach somewhere at that point. They uh, better be in a weight room. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you're right. That's a little bit too far along. He'll he'll have his vacationing out of the way by then. But uh, but what I was going to say is I kind of hope that Zion Williamson is joining them <laughs> in, oh in summer in summer league as well. So if, yeah, if yet no, uh, I agree. <laughs> Um, I think there's really, he's one of two players in that, in this entire draft that I would, um, be extremely happy about the Mavericks getting. And, uh, if he's there, I might lose my mind. Well, and here's the thing. If, if they end up winning the lottery and getting that number one pick, they're keeping that pick. I know we've discussed it before, like, well... Would they be tempted to trade it for, say, Anthony Davis, who, you know, he only has one year left on his contract. He might not sign an extension, all that stuff. 
they definitely keep that pick. You know, the more the more I've watched of Zion, and you know, you hear what people have been saying about him being being the best collegiate prospect they've you know probably ever seen as far as what all he can do they would definitely keep that pick and uh i mean i I don't know i'm really optimistic about it you guys should go to dallasbasketball.com and uh read the piece i just put out on there uh yesterday about basically i just went over the the mavs franchise history when it comes to being in the lottery they've been there 15 times They've stayed put nine times, and they've moved uh, down six times. So they've never moved up. Uh, I don't know. I just I feel like this is their year. So we'll see. Well, okay. So I think I don't want to get too much into draft stuff necessarily, but this is something I found interesting um, when looking at the Tankathon standings. Over the last ten games, the Mavericks have the worst record out of the top 11 lottery teams which is hmm. which is crazy. So the Knicks are 3 and 7, uh Phoenix, Atlanta and Memphis are 4 and 6. Uh Cleveland, Washington, New Orleans are 5 and 5. And then um you've got Chicago who's actually been pretty good. Uh they're at 6 and 4. So and since the Mavericks are only 4 games back of Atlanta, and I mean seven seven games back at Chicago is gonna be really tough in eighteen games. But you know, it's it's not it's not difficult or I'm sorry, they're six games back of Atlanta. Um but it's yeah, it's not six games back. It's not difficult to envision them at least passing Memphis and getting up to the thirty seven percent chance at a top four and the nine percent chance at number one overall because I mean, thir- that's a one in three chance, basically. I mean, thirty 30- that's better than a one in three chance. So I-, I take those odds. And I think that if they, even if they finish in the top two, they keep the pick. Um, I think possibly number three, depending on how you feel about one of these other guys. But, um, and also, it depends who. I heard Skin Wade talking about this on 1053 The Fan earlier. If, say, Phoenix gets the number two pick. Um, he thinks, and I totally agree with him, that Phoenix would take Ja Morant out of Murray State because they desperately need a point guard. Yeah, I agree. And I with found that, that re- I found that really interesting. So if say the Mavericks get the number three pick, then whoever's number one takes Zion. Uh, even if Phoenix is number one, maybe they take Ja Morant. I don't know. That, I think that would be crazy, but who knows? But if the Mavericks land at number three, that means they would have a shot at R.J. Barrett, which. <clears throat> Is it's pretty intriguing to me based on the tools. I I think the Harrison Barnes comps are so stupid, Dalton. Uh, we, we, we 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 can get into that on another another podcast because I don't want to get I don't want to get too far into scouting. We have a guest lined up in a couple weeks who we're gonna get get into that with. But right, let me look. This is this is all I'll say about R.J. Barrett and you know our our guest Kirk Henderson last week. He uh, he tweeted this out. Uh, yesterday, R.J. Barrett has taken 560 shots this season for Duke, and Zion Williamson has scored 561 points. <laughs> okay. So he he's shooting a lot of shots, but he he's not shooting a a very 
respectable, you know, percentage of them. I mean, that's where the the Harrison Barnes comps are coming okay. from. Because Barnes was a, Barnes was a decent three point shooter, but if you his his percentages his percentage from the field, you know, that's that's what you know just made it killer uh, for the Mavs. You know, he he just really killed them in some situations where you know they needed him to to either a finish or b look around for an open teammate and pass it and for whatever reasons that just didn't materialize more times than not so i think that's where your uh you know your your harrison barnes comparisons are coming from when you're talking about rj barrett okay that's fine but also another thing to keep in mind is He's 18 years old, maybe 19, I don't know exactly, but he's he's not going to come in and have to be... Because at Duke, especially with Zion out, he has to be the number one guy. And I know he's probably used to being that, but he's not going to come in, especially if the Mavericks get a big free agent this summer, he's just going to come in and be a rookie. And there's not going to be any pressure on him. He's going to have loads of help around him. And he's got the tools to be a very exciting player. That's all I that's what I think. I mean, Cam Reddish yeah. is a better three point shooter significantly, so maybe he's a better pick. I don't know. But yeah. we well, what we both agree on is that if they get the number one pick, there is no way in hell they're gonna trade it. So that's all that matters, I guess. Yeah. And I mean we like you said, we'll talk about this more uh in the coming weeks. We've got a we got a couple of people uh, really good guests lined up, you know, to specifically get into all the uh, the draft prospects and you know what we need to know about certain players and stuff of that nature. So look forward to that in the in the coming weeks, you know, before we even get to the end of the season or before we get to the NBA lottery. But uh, next, we're gonna have Bobby Corrala from Avs.com on to talk about you know how Luca and Kristaps Porzingis will complement each other. And uh, we're going to talk about why the Luka and Trey Young Rookie of the Year talk has gotten way out of hand lately. Uh, but first, we'll take a quick break to pay a few bills. All right, guys, we've got our we've got our buddy uh, Bobby Corrala from Mavs.com with us here now. Uh, he's currently with the team in Orlando. They're getting ready to take on the Orlando Magic down there. How's Orlando treating you, Bobby? Oh, it's been okay so far. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. We uh we've been discussing a lot of things uh here tonight. Uh one of them being uh, Dirk getting ready to pass Wilt Chamberlain on the all-time scoring list and uh we won't get too much into that, but one thing I wanted to uh to just talk with you about uh since the trade, you know, obviously Kristaps Porzingis, he he's not playing the rest of this season, but he should be ready by next year, and you know, just just looking at at highlights of Porzingis and how he plays, and knowing how Luca plays, it just seems like a match made in heaven. Uh, I mean, how do you see those two players complementing each other next season? Man, I don't know. I guess it kind of depends on they they have a few different directions that they can go, right, with building the roster. So is Luca your point guard? I mean, obviously he's the point guard, but is he? like the guy that's bringing the ball up the floor and the smallest guy on the floor? Or is he playing with a Brunson-type guy who's, you know, 6'1 and can do a little ball handling too? And then on the flip right. side, is Porzingis playing power forward or is he playing center? 
Uh, I think his preference throughout his career to this point has been to play power forward, so maybe you put a, a bigger guy next to him that can roll to the rim or whatever, or maybe shoot threes and play center on defense. I don't know. But what they the, the players that they put around those guys I think will kind of determine – uh, what those two do. I'm not opposed to playing like a Brunson size player or somebody else, I guess, who, whether it's him or I guess another traditional point guard. Uh, the more playmaking, the better, in my opinion. But uh, Luke is obviously going to be the, the primary guy that's making most of the magic happen. And I'm assuming he's going to be working more with Porzingis than he would with a Dwight Powell type rim runner guy. So uh, I think no matter who's with them, they're going to be involved in a whole lot of stuff together, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I guess it just depends on how free agency plays out and uh, the draft, if they end up getting that pick or not or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But I think no matter what they do, they got plenty of options. And I think the that Luca's built-in versatility as a guy who could be your main guy or play alongside right. another guy, I think that unlocks a lot of stuff, just like Porzingis, how he can play both positions too. So uh, versatility, I think, is their – their greatest asset right now together yeah and, and i mean if he if he does end up if porzingis ends up playing the four which like you said has kind of been his preference throughout his career to this point it's going to be really nice to have a true stretch four again because uh, i mean he has near unlimited range and i mean he's he can set good screens he can roll a little bit too if you need him to do that so i mean It'll be good to, you know, have Luca a nice pick-and-pop uh, complimentary player that, you know, Luca's not going to have all the attention on him. It, Porzingis is going to draw other guys, and it's going to open, in my opinion, it's going to open everything up for the rest of the guys on the court. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, and it's uh, it's also pretty exciting because uh, – for the first time, I mean, I know Luca's just a rookie, but like really for the first time in both their careers, they won't have to rely on themselves to get everything done. So I think, you know, the, with the two of them having the freedom to to move around and have another guy be, you know, be able to handle the scoring for a little bit or whatever, it's going to be really big for them. And um, also, it, it, we talked about this a little earlier in the year, um, right after they made the trade, but it, it it, it's lofty expectations, but it kind of reminds me of a, a little Dirk and Nash type um, combination, um, especially with, you know, Lucas playmaking ability. He's not as quick as Nash and he's a little bit bigger and KP is obviously a little bit, you know, more athletic than Dirk. Uh, but it's, it's going to be fun. I, I think they're going to play hopefully as close to as, you know, as good as those two played off of each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, just think about now watching Luca play right now, whether he's out there running with Powell or Dirk or Kleba or whoever is setting the screen for him, how many times is he getting double teamed coming off that screen? And they're just pushing him either toward the sideline or back to midcourt or the worst case scenario is along the sideline near midcourt where he, you know, he's shown that he can make those incredible cross-court passes like 60 feet on the money. But the fewer times he has to do that per game, the better, because a few of those times have led to turnovers, and obviously you have an imbalanced floor, and it's a dunk the other way. So Porzingis is the guy setting a screen for him. Obviously, you know, Luka at at best is going to see nobody coming around the corner, and at worst it's just going to be like a switch or someone's going to have to go under or over or whatever. Either way, you're putting yourself in an advantageous situation because if you are just switching, you know, I, I'm not sure that at this point Luka can just, like, 
get around a big man whenever he wants. I think he's still a couple years away from being able to do that. But if you're switching a little guy onto Porzingis, you know, he's already shown in the three plus, I guess, four years that he's been in the league, I mean, really three, um, that he can punish those switches, whether it's like a six six guy, you know, that's more Lucas size, or if it's a smaller guy. I mean, the Clippers were putting Pat Beverly on him for crying out loud. Like, you cannot switch that screen if Porzingis is the one that's setting it. And so that's kind of the ultimate, like, you're going to force the defense's hand every time. It's going to be one of those, like, pick your poison things like it was with Dirk and Monte and really like Dirk and Nash back in the day where, you know, no matter what decision you choose to make as the opposing head coach and as the opposing players that are in that pick and roll, it's going to be the wrong one because Luka is already complete enough to have a counter and Porzingis obviously is, you know, he's an incredible catch-and-shoot guy if he's wide open and then he can punish those mismatches. Yeah, and... I mean, depending on what they do in free agency, uh, even if they don't do, even if they didn't do much in free agency, you add Porzingis, seven uh, three dude that, you know, he can rebound, he can block shots. You figure that Luca is not going to have to do as much on the boards next year uh, as he has this season, which you know he's more than capable of doing it. But uh, to me, I feel like the rebound numbers are going to go down a little bit, but his assist numbers are going to shoot up because there's been so many games this this season where I felt like, wow, he could have he could have had maybe four or five more assists if he had a guy like Porzingis on the floor. Uh, I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I mean, just just watching the games, it, it feels like there are some easy assists to be had there. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, you know, because everybody. No, no player is perfect. So even guys like Harden and Chris Paul and, I mean, Westbrook, like the top assist guys, you know, people miss shots off their passes all the time. But uh, I, I did. I looked at this, I want to say it was like a month ago. It was definitely before the All-Star break, uh, and I think it was in the year 2019. So it's sometime within the last, like, 20, 25 games. Um, Luka was top 50 in the league in assists, or assists per game, I think is how I did it, not by total, but assists per game. And of those guys, his, like, assist percentage, so the amount, the, the percentage of, like, potential assists, so, like, if I pass it to you, that is a potential assist, and you shoot it. Whether you make it or not, it's still a potential assist. Obviously, if you make it, it counts as an assist. Uh, their conversion rate on his passes was toward the lower end of uh, the top 50. It wasn't at the very bottom, but it was in the lower, like, third. Right. So, you know, a lot of that is three-point shooting. But then again, I mean, you look at it and, like, how many of his assists right now are going to Powell where there's only, like, three or four other guys really in the NBA that can pull down some of the lobs that Luke is throwing. And he didn't have that kind of chemistry with DeAndre. So I think Dwight's actually helping Luka right now. But obviously the 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 struggling shooting, I guess, to, to put it politely around him is hurting his assist numbers too. So hopefully, you know, whether it's Powell or somebody else, if you have someone going to the basket that Luka can kind of get bailed out by, or you add like one or two or even three really nice shooters to put around him, then you can sort of balance the floor that way too. And that way, you know, he's not laboring as much to get like eight assists. It's like seven or eight assists for him should be easy because he makes so many good passes. But, you know, I mean, Rocky shooting and uh, until Dwight became the starter, until Powell started, you know, there there wasn't really a role presence consistently out there with Luka too. So, you know, we'll see, I guess. I don't think he's like – supremely unlucky or anything i think it's just you know we watch all of his passes and think man that was such a beautiful pass 
you know, he he was being double teamed and he got it over the center and like under the point guard and in, right into Finney Smith's shooting pocket. But you know, I mean, you, you got to give those guys a break because even the best shooters miss like more than half their shots. Yeah, that's true. And I kind of want to pivot in another direction off of that, Bobby. Um, so obviously, there's a lot of good young duos in the NBA right now that are that are kind of up and coming. Uh, you know, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley. Um, you know, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, even you know Trey Young and uh, and Collins in Atlanta. Where do you think that uh, Luca and KP, KP rank in that scenario? Oh man, just uh, that's tough. Um, I mean, obviously near the top. I don't know uh, what like your age cutoff is. I mean, because like Carl Towns is probably better than Porzingis and probably better than Luca too like I I mean on all these like under 25 lists he's ranked ahead of him and now I'll state Luca's case but I mean if if you want Towns ahead of Luca then that's fine but Porzingis is definitely better than Wiggins so if we're going by like tandems so maybe like sure Joel Embiid might be better than Luca but I mean Porzingis like if healthy he, he might be better than Ben Simmons so the average of those two guys is definitely higher than any other young tandem. And now I guess if you're going by, like, ceiling, like who's the best player right now, then maybe it's like Embiid or Towns, I guess. Uh, I'll still take my chances with Luka over both of those guys. So, I mean, just for that reason alone, just the fact that, like, if Porzingis is really the worst of any duo on any team in the league, then that's a freaking good duo because he's awesome. I mean, he was an all-star last year, so – if he comes back and is healthy and can do all the stuff that he could do before, which I don't think should be any problem, uh, at least hopefully, of course, then, uh, I mean, as far as under 24, under 25 guys, then, I mean, they're they're probably at the very top. I mean, unless I'm just forgetting someone totally. But, I mean, Porzingis is better than Collins and Luka's better than Trey Young. And I think that's – well, we, we might talk about that a little later too. I don't know what you guys think, but uh, – I mean, I can't think of another young duo unless you're counting like Giannis and Chris Middleton because Middleton's what, like 26 or 27, which is still kind of young, I guess. But uh, I mean, as far as like true young guys that are either on their rookie deal now or will like be on year one of their non-rookie deal, those guys are, I think, at the top and it's probably not very close. Yeah, I guess in in my mind when, when Matt asked that, I was kind of thinking, you know, it at least 25 and younger. Uh, I I didn't even think about uh, Joel Embiid and and Ben Simmons, even though I should have. I mean, they're they're incredible. But I think the thing that makes me want to put Luca and and KP towards the top is the potential uh, three point shooting because. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, you name all those players: you, Booker and Aiton. Booker's a uh, well, he hasn't been a good three-point shooter this season, but everybody, you know, you, you respect him when he's been on the three-point three line. His three-point shooting numbers are surprisingly modest, and I, I like his game a lot, but I think that he's kind of like a we think that he's a good shooter because he makes a lot of shots kind of guy. But right. uh, his numbers are like not – they're not like anywhere near – I mean, Porzingis last year was 40%. Booker's never been, I think, above like 38 Right. And I mean, you look at the the other duos we named, like uh, Fox and Bagley. Uh, I mentioned Ben Simmons and Embiid. The only other young duo that I think could, you know, go 
neck and neck with Luka and KP from the three-point line is Jokic and uh, Murray in Denver. Uh, so, I mean, that that's just my just off the top of my head what I'm thinking there because, you know, obviously the three-point shot is so important. And uh, when you've got, you know, your two cornerstone players that are supposed to, you know, lead the fa- franchise into the future, you really hope that they can – get you buckets from anywhere so that's where my head is on that Matt do you have any other thoughts on that well I mean not really I just uh I think when you look at the the like the names that I listed like uh especially Fox and Bagley like so many of these different combinations have so many different dynamics that it's really going to be hard to tell uh especially at least for a couple years you know um you know (laughs) Fox and Bagley is just like a, a super athletic, like jump out of the gym type, type combination, and then obviously Luca and KP is going to be a little bit, little bit more finesse. Um, so it's just interesting to think about, you know, the way that they the way that they stack up and and how um, how they're going to complement the rest of their roster, you know, and, and like like Bobby said, we really don't know how they're going to be um, built around. And speaking of, of course, about Luca and KP, we don't know what they're going to put around them yet, so we'll just have to wait and see. I think the yeah, interesting thing, sorry, sorry, Dalton, but uh, with Fox and Bagley, like I know that whoever, I think it might have been Vivek or maybe it was Vladi, whoever said they're going to be the next KD in Westbrook, and obviously that's like an outrageous statement just at face value, but uh, Fox is really, really good, and Bagley's pretty good too. I mean, he's, he's coming in scoring like 15, 18, 20 points a game pretty easily, so... Uh, I'm curious to see what they put around those guys, and they already, they already have Bogdanovich, who I think is great, and you know Barnes is really solid, and they got Bielitsa, who's really solid. So I think they're like they have a more Collystein's uh, about to be a free agent, but they have like a more rock solid kind of foundation around those guys in place than the Mavs do. So I'm curious to see, you know what what the Mavs roster looks like next year in comparison to what the Kings roster looks like now because the players around Fox and uh, Bagley are really good and that has them like right on the edge of the playoff race and if the Mavs can put maybe like slightly better players around Luka and KP then I think that definitely gets them into the playoffs but uh, yeah I mean I think like the, the kind of the supporting cast in Sacramento is really solid around those guys which I think has helped make their climb a little easier. Yeah, last season uh, when I was doing some some draft stuff for Mavs Moneyball, I did a a, a player, uh, basically like a scouting report on Marvin Bagley. I, I was a big fan of his. I'm still a big fan of his, but when it got to the point where you know I had to make a best case scenario for him, I put KD Light. Now, I wasn't saying that he's going to be Kevin Durant, but I could just you know. With with his physical tools and, you know, what I personally saw in him, I thought he could, you know, be a, a similar kind of player. And, I mean, what I've seen so far, I, I don't think that's too much of a stretch. You guys may disagree with that, but, uh, I mean, I, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from him so far. I mean, he, he's been nice, but the, the shooting's not there yet, you know, and that's kind of what KD yeah. was able to instantly come in and, you know, pull it from anywhere on the floor, but... Bagley's stroke is nice. That's the thing. Like, his percentages aren't that great yet, especially from three. I think this year he's still in the 20s. But his actual jump shot looks nice. And so that's yeah, at, he's at, got it's really at least good aesthetically mechanics. pleasing. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we'll move on from from that. And uh, Bobby wanted to 
talk a little bit about this with you because I'm sure you've seen all the noise on on social media here lately, especially from you know a, a lot of uh, national media people and Atlanta media people. But uh, you know the the Luca and Trey Young Rookie of the Year uh, talk has really started to to heat up, so to speak. Uh, do you think it's warranted, or do you think it's just noise? Because I mean, obviously. Trey Young, he's been playing amazing lately. He's been putting up big numbers. But, I mean, there's a reason they call this award the Rookie of the Year. You know, i just curious get to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, you kind of took my line because I was going to say it's the Rookie of the Year, not like the Rookie of the five games after the All-Star break. And the thing is, too, <laughs> right. I mean, like, and look, Trey's awesome. And, I mean, his his numbers are great, and he really is, like, I think him and Collins are going to be pretty fierce in the East together, and he's a lot of fun to watch. And he had a really good game against the Mavs uh, the first time that they played this year, at least like a really good second half whenever they came back from down 20 or whatever it was. But, dude, I mean, Luka was so good right away, and Trey Young was not. I mean, his numbers weren't at that level. Uh, they have been the last, like, 10, 15 games or whatever the stretch is now. I mean, they're playing more games every day, obviously, so it might even be up to 20 now. But... I mean, Luca's numbers, dating back to, uh, pardon me while I type with one hand, and it's going to take a long time, but luckily when I type in L-U-K, it automatically autofills to his game log on Basketball <laughs> Reference. So thank you, Basketball <laughs> Reference. Uh, also, now you all know what I do with my free time. But Luca Lifesaver. now, dating back to December 16th, so that's 34 games. Okay, over 34 games, he's averaging 23.5 points, 7.5 boards, and 6.5 assists. So that's more than half the season at this point. He's put up 23-7-6, like almost 24-8-7. There's like four or five guys that put up those numbers in any given season. And Luka is one of them, and he's a rookie. So I just don't see – like you could do any cross-segment of games, like any five-game stretch, 10-game stretch, 20-game stretch, and Luka's numbers are going to be just as good, if not better. And most of the time they're going to be better – I think the most recent five games are going to be in Young's favor because he had that quadruple overtime game and look 49 and 16 is incredible but I mean four overtimes he played like 60 minutes or something so you got to kind of put a little <laughs> asterisk on that one but like Luca's per 36 minute numbers are insane his per 100 possession numbers are literally historic I mean nobody not even Robertson Oscar Robertson whenever he was a rookie he averaged almost a triple double but they were playing like 125 possessions a game, and he was playing almost all 48 minutes. No rookie ever has done what Luka's doing per 100 possessions. So there's just no way. I mean, if you want to go by record, the Mavs have a better record right now, and they probably will finish with one, I would think, maybe. I guess we don't know that. But productivity, Luka's better. Hype, Luka's better. Storyline, Luka's better. I mean, all of the things are working his in his advantage. I think it's just like... Every year we're like, who's going to take down the Warriors? You know, when we get all caught up in the Rockets or the Sixers or the Celtics or any of these teams. And then at the end of the year, it's like, oh, yeah, the Warriors are still the best team. I guess uh, maybe next year something will change. <laughs> and I think it's just kind of like that. Luka was such a front runner. He started so strong. Every other award race, I mean, like the MVP race is really cool between Giannis and Harden. And Jokic even is like kind of in it. And Kawhi and maybe KD with the Warriors, like – all the other races are so wide open that whenever you look around at the rookie of the year race and you're like, oh, yeah, it's kind of been decided since October 25th or whatever, you maybe want to – you get a little bored. 
you know. But I, I don't think that any – and I think, too, that, that Trey Surge will kind of self-correct here in the next couple of weeks because either teams will start paying more attention to him, uh, they'll scale his minutes back as the end of the year comes and they try and get a better draft pick. And, two, I mean, it's really hard to score 35 a game for more than, like, two or three games in a row. So – I think his numbers are going to kind of go down. Luca's numbers have stayed good, and in fact, they're still getting better as the year goes on, uh, as far as like counting stats go. So, I don't think that anything is going to change. Uh, I think that this is just kind of like a blip on the radar, and ultimately in April or May or whenever it is, we're going to wake up and see Luca got like 92% of the vote. What the heck? Like that's a it was a landslide. I thought it was going to be closer. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be Luca all the way. I mean, there's just there's no offense, defense, special teams, kicking game. There's literally nothing that you know Young has an advantage in over Luca. I mean, there's just nothing, none well, at all. Well, th- this is kind of the thing that's been bothering me as of late. Is it's it, it almost seems like people have have tried to recreate this race almost just to to keep the media train running and, and, and get clicks or whatever. And I just, I kind of want to get your perspective, Bobby, on, on why you think that, uh, the whole Luca Trey, like Twitter war, uh, has escalated so much and why it, it seems like people won't allow both of these guys to be good players at the same time. I think it's kind of unavoidable because they were traded for each other. I, I mean, that's obviously going to kind of be the case because it was, I remember even on opening night, Luca had whatever he had, and we're looking at Trey Young's numbers, and I think Trey had a better opening night game, and we're like, oh crap! But then the next day, Luca had like whatever <laughs> twenty-eight points. You're like, whoa, this guy's totally better than Trey Young. So I think like the fact that they were <laughs> traded for each other is, I mean, that makes it kind of unavoidable and, and, and inevitable. But I don't know. I mean, I don't really think there's like some grand conspiracy at the national level to to make it like this this back and forth thing the way they cover politics nowadays we're like oh well, he had 17 points and trey had 31 you know the rookie of the year is 58 percent in lucas favor now like i think that it's uh it's mostly just like if you're the social person at bleacher report and trey young has a great game and you see that whatever ben steiner the guy from atlanta had a tweet that got like 800 retweets then you want to get on it too and so you put together a little 30 second trey young video slap some text on there, tweet it out, and now all of a sudden you're just like you've entered the public debate. Like I just think the the, the barrier, like the the threshold of entry into the dialogue, um, it's just so much lower now, you know? And it's so easy to say like, yeah, thirty five points and ten assists, here's a you know, here's a one minute highlight video. Um how do we get people to get really mad about it? Let's just put like, is he going to be rookie of the year now? And then, you know, people will retweet it and say F no or F yeah. And it'll just be, it'll be a big thing. Um, you know, I don't know. I guess we could, we could go into like all my problems with the internet. Cause I got a lot of them, but uh, I just think it's like, <laughs> it's so easy to just like fall victim into the trap of like the 24 hour thing and just how, you know, you feel like if, if I'm a big Luca fan and I see somebody say something nice about Trey Young that lives in Atlanta, then I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to tell this guy what I think about Luca right now. It's like, well, you live in Dallas. They live in Atlanta. Obviously, their opinion's not going to change. Your opinion's not going to change. But, like, the louder they argue about it, the more people are going to see it and the more videos you're going to see about it and the more mad you're going to get. And the, so the more you're going to argue and the more videos you're going to make. And so it's just this big, like, 
it's just like this this snake that's just eating itself is getting bigger and meaner <laughs> and more mad and uh you know the fact that trey is playing better now too obviously helps a lot but uh yeah, I mean, I don't think there's, like, these evil guys twirling their mustaches at, like, Bleacher Report HQ thinking, like, how do we make more money? But, uh, I, I mean, I, I just think that people are really, really emotionally invested in Luca, which is awesome and uh, kind of deserved because that guy's a sensation. Uh, I don't think that Trey Young has, like, that same kind of, like, cult following. Um, but he's on the East Coast. Luca's in the West. Trey's in the East. You know, the blue and red thing they they were different colors they were traded for each other like trey young is he was kind of i mean he was a mcdonald's all-american i think and like a five-star recruit but he was only like number 11 in the country and he kind of sort of forced himself into the top five in the draft you know i think coming into last season he wasn't really considered like a consensus top five or maybe even top 10 pick and he played great at o at ou and Luca was considered a top five pick basically all along and, you know, won every award there is to win at Real Madrid. So it's kind of adds to that, like, scrappy underdog. Trey Young is 5'10", versus, like, the kid that has it all from Spain who's already been a pro. I mean, I just think there's, like, so many – there's so many narrative points to draw from. I mean, it really is a great story. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think – obviously I'm biased, and I think you guys are too, but I think Luca's got it in the bag. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't really think – Unless, like, Luca doesn't play another game. Well, actually, unless Luca plays every uh, every game the rest of the season and does not score double figures again, and Trey Young averages, like, 25 points a game the rest of the year, I, I like, something insane like that would have to happen in order for Luca to not win the award. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, like you said, you're not going to – if you have a diehard Atlanta Hawks fan, Trey Young fan – and you have a diehard Mavs fan, Luca fan, and you know they're going at each other on on Twitter or something like that. I mean, you're not going to change one or the other's mind on that. But you know, there's there's that saying that numbers don't lie. So it, you look at all the numbers, and I mean, it's just not even a question in my mind that that Luca's got this in the bag, and he has for a while now. So I mean, I, I think it's just been you know he's been so dominant you know, uh, the, for the majority of this season that with Trey having this, uh, this hot streak recently, it's kind of, you know, well, Hey, there's something new. Maybe we can, maybe we can make this interesting, but like you said, I think it's all Luca. I don't think it's something we need to worry about. It's just noise. Yeah. So, well, and, and just uh, generally too, I mean, sorry to cut you off, but there's, there's just really not a lot going on in the NBA right now. I mean, and I don't mean, that's not like sarcastic. It's just kind of like the playoff race is pretty much decided in both conferences. I mean, as far as like teams that people are really kind of care about, um, the Lakers are out. So, you know, if, if we're not talking about how miserable LeBron looks or where Rondo is sitting on the bench. I mean, there's really just not a lot of, like, juicy storylines to talk about right now. So, right, you know, it's pretty easy to fall back on the, all right, well, what's what's going on? Oh, yeah, people care about Luka. Yeah, people care about let's talk about Luka and Trey. You know, if there was, like, some really mm -hmm. insane race or, like, if maybe what, – what, what if the Warriors lost, like, four games in a row or something, then I don't think we'd hear anything more about it. But the fact that everything is kind of just – whatever there's really there's not a lot of intrigue uh, as far as like playoff races go so 
I think that has a lot to do with it too. This is kind of like the the dead zone. Um, in a couple of weeks, it's gonna. I mean, it'll be like who's gonna actually make the playoffs, who's gonna have home court in the West. It'll the conversation will shift again. But I think for this like two to three weeks, this is sort of every year where like people get a little more ambitious with their takes. We're still hungover from All Star break. You know, everybody is just kind of like, well, I only have a month left to just make everybody mad. So, so let's see what I can say and get the, get the get the people riled up. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I really don't have much else to add to that. I know. Uh, I agree with you that there's not there hasn't been you know much going on with uh, the playoffs pretty much decided as far as like having any drama, and I think that's where you know this this Trey Luca debate has has heated up lately you know at least with some of the the national media people because i think like you said i don't think they're trying to they're sitting up there and saying oh how can we get more clicks make more money or anything like that but they just they want something exciting to happen something to get them to the playoffs at least but yeah well and i mean this is really like this is a historically good rookie class and people care way more about rookies than they ever have so I mean, this is like if this same exact thing. I mean, the same exact thing kind of did happen last year with Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons. Only both of those teams were like big time playoff contenders, which made it even more interesting to me. But uh, I mean, like ten years ago or twenty years ago, I really don't think this would have even been like talked about. You know, two rookies that are on teams that aren't most likely aren't going to be in the playoffs. I mean, I, I guess they're they're both neither are eliminated yet, but it's probably not going to happen. Um, you know, one of them is in a relatively small market. The other one is on a team that just traded all of its starters. You know, where's the intrigue there? But I think now, you know, everybody in this generation of basketball fans kind of like just super interested in prospects and in young guys. So I think that kind of gives it a little more, uh, a little more legs too. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, really good stuff, Bobby. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on and talking with us tonight. All the way from Orlando, like I said, he's he's getting ready for the uh, the Mavs take on the Magic Grand down Lakes, there. Actually, Grand Lakes, Orlando, not gotcha. or Grand Lakes, Florida. Sorry, not in Orlando. We're really far from Orlando. Normally, we stay uh, within probably like ten or fifteen minutes of the arena in whatever city we're in, unless it's like New York or San Francisco, where it's very far anyway. Right. But uh, yeah, out here in Grand Lakes. Depending on traffic, it could take us like 45 minutes to an hour to get to the arena tomorrow. So this is one of the farther bus rides that we have in the league. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know why it happens that way, but the hotel is nice, so <laughs> I can't complain. Hey, that's all that matters. They got you a good place to stay, and you know they got you're cozy, and uh, they got everything you need. Just as long as you get to the game, okay, that's all that matters. Yeah, but I do have to pay four dollars for a Dr Pepper in the lobby, so it's I, I do have some complaints, <laughs> some bones to pick, but you know I, I can't complain too much. <laughs> Matt, you have anything to add? No, I just really want to thank Bobby for coming on, um, and uh, you know he. Obviously, as you could tell, he, he has a lot of statistic, statistical insights and basketball knowledge that I do not have in my brain, so we just really appreciate it. And, hey, thank you all for having um, me, man. Have fun at the game tomorrow. I will, I will. Thank you all for having me, and I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to listening to the, the rest of what you guys have to say. Yes, sir, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you later, Bobby. All right, see you. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the – 10th episode of the step back we really appreciate appreciate you guys coming on and uh listening to us this week uh we can't thank 
Bobby Corrala enough uh, for coming on as a guest and giving us a bunch of good stuff. Uh, we, we really enjoyed having him on, and hopefully we can do that again in the future. But, uh, you know, just be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. And like I said at the beginning, uh, if you feel like leaving us a nice review, do that too. Anything helps us grow. Uh, Matt, you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, keep your eye out for our work at DallasBasketball.com. Uh, we'll have all the game coverage for the Orlando game coming up. Um, we've got some pretty exciting guests coming up in the next couple of weeks that you guys can look out for. And, um, you know, we're going to start as, you know, the season progresses and the Mavs record gets worse and their draft hopes get better. We're going to start talking some drafts, and uh, I'm going to do you know a couple of scouting reports. I'm sure Dalton will want to do a couple of scouting reports over these top guys and see what we can come up with. So um, just stay tuned into DallasBasketball.com. Yep, got a lot of good stuff coming up for you guys, not only on the pod, but like Matt said, at DallasBasketball.com as well. Well, again, we thank you guys for coming on to listen. Uh, hope you enjoy the Mavs and Magic. And we'll be back here next week to discuss everything Mavs related. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.